Let's get ready to rumble! Alright, hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that has that has lived through all the anticipation, lived through everything, and has finally gone to the point where it is here. It's finally here, the film that we've been waiting for is here, and we have Dune. Dune has arrived. So I think yeah. it's not even a spoiler to say that that's what we're going to be talking about today. My name is Tosin, I am your host, and I am based currently in a bar in Birmingham because... <laughs> Because um, restrictions have lifted and people don't think COVID exists anymore. But so, so I'm in a bar in Birmingham. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. Yes. <clears throat> so if you wonder what the name means, Netflix is cinema. That's because what we tend to do on this show is that we go to the cinema every week, see you on about three films, we stay at home and watch things on Netflix and Friends, which are about three things, and we rate them all out of five, and at the end of it, we say, who has won? Who has money we better spend this week? Film or uh, cinema or Netflix and Friends? Now, this week, if you listened to us last week, we already gave you a massive spoiler that there was one film that was going to be reviewed this week, even, and it might have been the film that we were going to review this week at the, at the expense of all other films. <laughs> And that film is finally the adaptation of <laughs> Frank Herbert's Dune, Dune directed, yeah. by, directed by Denny Villeneuve. So I know, Sean, you saw it last week and you held your, you, you kept your powder dry. Very, 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 thank you. Thank you very much for that, for us. Waiting for us to catch up with you, with Sean. When it comes to films, we spend a lot of our lives waiting to catch up with Sean. <laughs> and yeah. I think this week, Sharon and I both saw Dune in cinema. Yes. And that's the only thing we saw in cinema. And Sean decided to go and say, you know what, we're called Elizabeth Cinema. Let me give us more than one film to talk about this week, like Sean does. And Sean, what else did you go see in cinema this week? Uh, okay, I went to see The French Dispatch. See, has that even been released? Yeah, it's on a pre-release or a secret screening or something? No, 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 it wasn't a secret screening. It was on. I actually saw it in Bournemouth. I was over Bournemouth the weekend. Oh, and I actually went to see it Newport's listings. It's not there no. the next fortnight. No, I, saw, oh, I well. saw it at Bournemouth. As I say, I was over there the weekend, so I thought... I know, well, I'll, pop it, I'll pop it to the cinema. Well, Student Town, Wes Anderson movie. I you know. <laughs> like Wes Anderson films, and I was quite keen to is see it. Not, it. It's, and it hasn't come. I thought, no. I, I mean, we saw the trailers and everything for it. Yeah, not this week and not next. I've looked ahead to see if it's on. Oh, no. Oh, well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, because I mean, I did am an R, because I was pretty certain that the, uh, the Isle of Wight would have it. I, I was pretty certain. Not and. Um, uh, it was only yeah. that I was sort of I was lost for something to do for for rather than watch Strictly Come Dancing. It was a choice of either watching Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> and Saturday Day TV. Or I thought, oh man, there's a uh, film I want to see. <laughs> it's just at the right time. I, I take it. I so, take yeah, it you so were was, you with so, your mum then, Sean. Yes. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah I take it with your mum. All right. Cool. Good stuff. So <laughs> that is that is what we had in cinema. So we have two things in cinema. And I think I have something that I saw at home on BBC iPlayer, but I can hold it on to next week because I've been sitting on this for a while. It's, a, it's essentially a lockdown drama called, um, called Together. With, to, better, with, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lockdown drama called Together with Sharon Horgan and James McAvoy. And, but I can keep it on to next week. But what did you guys see at home? Well, I, I, in, because I watched, uh, the, I reviewed the one last week, didn't know which was um the, the tank it was invincible and the tankers oh yeah the, i watched the uh, i watched another one on the 
the Russian movie. Yeah, I watched an Estonian movie called Ooh. 1944 Force to Fight. Uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I like this, Sean. Sean has, you know, Sean is a bit like Napoleon, who, when he found that there were no more lands to conquer, decided to go to Eastern Europe. That was your downfall. Yeah, and watch everything. Watch everything that Eastern Europe has to offer. <laughs> yeah, some of it. Some of it. It's, uh, I, 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 I'm in the middle of two others as well. So. I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, Sean. There's a film called The Guilty that has just been remade. It's been remade on Netflix with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. And the original, I think, is Swedish or Norwegian. And everybody raved about this film. And, okay, uh, Sean, I task you as, <laughs> as the man who sees everything, the man, the man who saw everything. Go find the original version of The Guilty because I've been trying to find it somewhere to watch. Uh, oh, right. All right, cool. And Sharon, what did you see at home? I saw a film on Amazon Prime called Wild Mountain Time, which has <laughs> Emily Blunt <laughs> and Jamie Dornan <laughs> in it. <laughs> that... Are we creatures of habit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty much, I think. <laughs> okay, okay, now, now I, I'm, really, I'm really keen to find out what, what you thought about Wild Mountain Time. Because I've heard stuff about this film that I, okay, I just want to see. I want to see what you said. I want to see, especially with your Irish connections. I want to see what you think about this film. All right, cool. So, shall we kick off at the only place we can kick off this week, and that is Dune. Now, now, um, Sean, if you're watching this thing, or if you're watching one of the clips of this uh, on YouTube, you will see that Sean currently has a background of a film that he, in his background he has a film that was heavily, heavily influenced by Dune. You could even say it kind of ripped it off a bit. <laughs> but but Dune is Frank Herbert's novel that was written in, what was it, the 60s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 60s, I think. Or maybe, yeah. was it, might have even been, might have been earlier than that. 50s, yeah. maybe, late 50s. Yeah, so, okay, so Frank, he, he wrote this novel, and this novel has long been called unfilmable because it's, eight, it's 600 pages long, or 26 hours if you listen to the audiobook. And... <laughs> And yeah, and people have just sort of said this thing is not filmable. But there have been loads of people who have taken different bits from this film and made their whole new empires, a bit like George Lucas and Star Wars. Now, the what, probably the biggest Dune fan I know is a friend of the show, a guy called Yatish, Yatish Parma. And he is the one who gave me the audiobook, he gifted me the audiobook. And for if you ever hear him talk about Star Wars, he is so disparaging about Star Wars because he's like, all they did was rip Dune off. They just ripped off all of, they ripped <laughs> off all of Frank Herbert's ideas and then made them worse. Is <laughs> what he says. So now I, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit reticent to give a synopsis of this film because even given a synopsis of this film, you will probably be here an hour and and you will just be and a lot of people who haven't read the book or know anything about Dune will spend a lot of time saying, Who? What? Quits that what? Who the what the heck's a Harkonnen? <laughs> and all that. But nineteen sixty five, I'm sorry, I couldn't get over that. I need to find out. So it was first yeah. published in sixty five. Oh, right, 1965. Okay, okay I, I had my money at 67. So yeah, so so essentially, if you've watched a sci-fi movie ever since 1965, there's been a lot of stuff that has been influenced by Dune. But Sharon, because you are probably the most succinct of us, would you like to try and yep. give? Mm. Uh, I'll give you a, I'll give, give you like a two minutes. Give you two minutes to give us a summary of what Dune is about for anybody who doesn't know and wonders what all the fuss is about. This is set in a universe that is approximately 8,000 years ahead of us. So in the years 10,000 and something or other. And there is a, a universe that is governed by an emperor. 
some ideas there. And, and all the different planets have like a ruling family. And the ruling family of a planet called Caladan are the Atreides. Yes. And they are, they have yes. like dragged themselves up and they are a safe pair of hands. They're fighting people. They have like disciplined and fighting, but they are effectively sort of honest. And there is a planet called Arrakis that has a thing called spice, the spice melange. And this is can be used as a fuel that powers interstellar travel. Because to travel between stars, to navigate between the stars is quite a tricky business, but the spice enables these creatures that navigate the stars able to slow time down so they can see a pathway through the stars. So you can travel at speed because you can see where all the obstacles are. So this yes. spice has become the petroleum of the future worlds because yes, it's yeah. essential. It's what fuels the economies and it's what fuels travel. And if you can travel, then you can conquer worlds. Yep. Then you can be yeah. the dominant force in a world. So, and so whoever, last... whoever, con whoever controls the spice controls everything pretty much. Controls everything. They are, the, they are a key player. And for 80 years, the emperor has put the Harkonnens, which are this sort of like brutish, um, aggressive, you know, not very nice people. They have been in charge of this planet, mining the, the spice. I think the empire, yeah. they're nasty, you know, like Boohis. And so they're all ugly and they're all not very nice. Whereas all the Atreides are slightly, they're more attractive and they're a bit nice. And um, so idea, yeah. the people, the, the, the people who inhabit the planet of Arrakis are called the Fremen, and they are a desert peoples who have basically, they live in in harmony with their environment. So they they use the spice, but not in a way that exploits their environment. Okay. And they know that on this spice, this dust planet. Look, sorry, Sharon, I was just going to say, I think your two minutes are up. And... I, I think thank you very much for trying that because what you have ex what you have um, illustrated very clearly is how hard it is to give a synopsis of Dune <laughs> because because <laughs> what Sean has just done has just begun to scratch the surface of what is going on in this. So what you need to know is that it's a <laughs> and book. you did it so well as well. I, so and, you, well. You did, and you did it brilliantly, but it's still pretty difficult. So before I started reading well, the book, well, sorry, sorry, Sean. Yeah, I was talking to our friend Happy John, and today I went into town with Happy John, and Happy John told me that they've greenlit the second part. Yes, so, today today they so, greenlit Dune Part 2, because the, the, the film, that's another thing about it, this book is so big, so massive, so expansive, that the director, Denis Villeneuve, very wisely said, there is no way in hell you can make one film out of this. <laughs> so the film right at the beginning tells you, this is Dune Part 1, but part one. just... Yeah, but know that a lot of the things that you like in sci-fi have been inspired by this. So Sharon started speaking, and already, obviously, you started talking about um, empires and an emperor. Very Okay, that's where Star Wars got that from. You started yeah. talking about the House, house of Trades, who are upstanding and everything. They're the guys who you obviously root for. That is House Stark. That's Game of Thrones. That's where they got that from. Yeah. And it's, so, so, there's that, so just know that. Know that. So we're going to try and talk about the film and talk about what we thought about it without really telling you what it's about, because... We'll be here all evening. So, let's kick off. Sean, what did you think? Okay, my thoughts on it. Um, yeah, I thought it was all right. I didn't think there was anything think particularly nice. It was very, very pretty. It was very, very nicely shot. I think perhaps yep. they spent a bit too much time on the, um, you know, on the scenery, and it was very... Um, 
what's the word? Just, I don't know. It's pretty, it's not a lot. Of, I mean, there's not a lot. I don't think there's a lot of action in the book. And it, yeah. I guess it expi- explained it fairly well because going back to the, the David Lynch version, I mean, that was very much hurried. They sort of crammed everything in there. So it's a bit, a, a little bit better for, from that point of view. But I still think, I thought, okay, yes, this is nice. This is nice. Yeah, it's really lovely. It's really lovely. But I think there were too many buzzy things all the time. And it was just like, it, the, it was too much time on the buzzy little butterfly or things. What I mean, very clever. And there's a, like that in the book. And that's how it's explained. But well, it you, just, mean, you mean the, yeah. the thopters? The thopters the, the yeah, the coptery type things. Yeah, yeah. they're the, like the little little dragonflies, aren't they? They're all like little dragonflies. There was, there was a lot of that and a lot, yeah. of, lot of lovely scenery. Um, but... Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't too. I, if, if I'm totally honest, I preferred the Harkonnens, the Baron, and all that. I preferred them in the David Lynch <laughs> version. Than I did this version. Okay, cool. I, cool, prefer, cool. I even. Uh, yep. Yeah, so. I, I thought. I thought you were going to tell me that you were rooting for the Harkonnens. I was like. No, 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 no. I wasn't. I wasn't rooting for them. But um, I thought I didn't. I didn't find them that menacing and that cruel. Really. Okay. Yeah, I know it's sort of. I don't. So yeah. yeah so. For me, my feelings. Yeah, it was an okay film. I didn't dislike it. It didn't wow me in any way, shape, or form. Nothing yep. that I'd really seen before. So yeah, it was a. It was, in, in my opinion, it was an okay watch. Okay, Sharon, what yeah, did you, you think? want me to, to carry on? I can carry on some more if you want. No, 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 no. Let's 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 go to Sharon. Let's go to what Sharon okay. thought. I haven't read the book, so I'll say that up front. But I liked. For me, I liked it, and I liked the fact that it had a literary feel. Because I, yeah. I was, hmm. when I was watching it, I, thought I was just, part of my mind sort of struck me is that it's quite nice to actually watch a film that has a beginning, a middle and an end, even though it's the first part of a much longer story. Because yeah. so often when you get literary adaptions now, they like to jump a little back. So you get a bit of the end, then you get a bit of the middle, then you may get the beginning and then you may get, go back to the end again. And it's always chopping backwards and forwards. Hmm. It's like, sometimes you just want it to be a beginning, middle and end. And yeah. they set the, the, the film up the way you would in a book you know you get that slow build and then you start you get these points of sort of drama but you end up this the the, the books will normally all start and then it will build and then you have like a peak in the middle and then it drops off towards the end and so I thought this was like that build up towards the middle part like you know any trilogy or whatever so to me I quite like the literary feel of it that it felt like it was the unfolding of a story it was giving you a lot of information to understand what your place in this universe and yeah. then to focus in on the characters and then you can then expand those characters so for me I quite like that aspect of it and that world building so you did you did get a feel of that the hot dusty sand on that so for me I liked it okay so Sharon it's, it's funny you say that because having read the book, because I've pretty much gotten to the point in the book where the film ends. I pretty much got that. Yeah. They do do a lot of chopping and changing and shoving things around and moving things because there's no, but the fact that it still feels like a book is one, I think as an adaptation of the book, I'm not sure how much better you could have done. I'm not sure how much better you could have done if you're going to make it into a film, quite frankly, because I was watching it and when I was watching it at the beginning, I felt the same, a similar thing to what I was watching when I watched Lord of the Rings for the first time. And having, having read the book, you're going, oh my God, oh wow, they got that right. Oh, look, they got that detail right. Oh, they got that. I don't... However, the problem with this is I, I think like the, 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 this, the thought that I've distilled it down to my head is that the story of Dune 
deserves a TV series. It deserves a high-budget TV series like Game of Thrones. The story of Dune deserves that. However, the visuals of Dune deserve the biggest screen that you could have and you can find. <laughs> so you can't have a TV series on a massive cinema screen. You can't have a TV series on an IMAX screen. So you have to make a film because it would be a bit of a shame if you just had this on TV. But there is so much, even though they got a lot of stuff into the film, there is so much that they left out. And watching the film, I was kind of like going, I'm not really sure how much of these characters and the motivations you're understanding because they haven't really gone into why they are doing what they're doing or who they are. What because the book is written in such a way that when I was reading, I remember writing, writing a text to Yatish and telling him about one of the characters and saying, this guy's a dumbass. And Yatish was like, man, you're getting, you're getting way too into it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's the thing. <laughs> the book is written so well that it gets you to know these characters. Like, you know, you know about the Atreides and you know about their honor. So when stuff happens, you care about what happens to them and all the characters are fleshed out. And in a two and a half hour film, there is no time to do that. So their, their characters, like the, the, the character of Lady Jessica played by Rebecca Ferguson, she's a badass. And the first, the, the first couple of times she showed up on film, I was kind of like, they need to give her something badass to do soon because anybody watching this film would think that she's just a simpering wimp the way mm -hmm. it was done. And like Paula Atreides, the, the guy who is the main guy in the character in the song, who the whole the whole story comes to sort of revolve around. I get to a point where I'm I'm kind of like at the moment he just looks like a whiny brat. He looks like a whiny brat and without without the background, the the um the performance of Timothy Chalamet looks weird. And I and there were bits of it where I was like, if you understand what's going on behind the scene, that works. But if you don't understand it, which the film hasn't been able to tell you, it doesn't I don't really think it, it, he looks like a whiny brat. So, and, and the, the, film, the film finishes. And at the end of the film, I, I think you're left with a real sense of, okay, they haven't even told me anything. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> you, you're, left with a, you're left with a real sense of where's the rest of it. And, um, and I'm happy that they're going to make a second one. I just feel like maybe there's not enough time to... Essentially, I think that Lord of the Rings style there's a five-hour cut of this film somewhere because there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. because there's a lot of actors, a lot of well-known actors that are in this film that are hardly in the film. And I'm like, there is no way you paid them their fee to get them in, to have, a, to have them in a film for five minutes, even if it's part one. I'm pretty sure that there's a five-hour cut of this that they said we couldn't put in cinemas because there would be so, there is so much more rich. And I'm going to be one of those idiots that says, yeah, there's so much more riches in the book. Of course, there's more riches in the book. I think it's the same problem you have of when you're trying to make a Terry Pratchett adaptation. So much of the stuff happens in the characters' heads and the motivations are explained and why this person does that. And it's, you, you can't do that without having a talky scene in the film. And the film has some talky scene, scenes yeah. and, they still, and there still isn't enough. Having said that, I keep thinking about the film and things keep coming back to my head. So I will give it a four. But it is a but but I think that qualified. might be it, it's a qualified four because I think I've read the bit of the book that this film is based on. Things make more sense to me. But I was watching the film thinking, I really, really worry that anybody who hasn't read the book and doesn't have any background will not really understand what's going on or will not be carried along with these characters the way I was carried along when I was reading the book. And it made me just reinforce my idea that I think 
ideally this should have been a TV series. But uh, but I think mm. as a film, a two and a half hour film, I think the best they did the best that they could do. And that's why that's why I'm going to stop talking because we can keep talking for ages. I'm going to stop talking there. <laughs> cool. Right. Well, I I just give it a three star for me. It's just a three star for me. It didn't like blow me away. It didn't. Yeah. Didn't set my pulse rate in any way, shape, or form. But it was okay. So yeah. it's a three for me. Yeah, I'd give it a four because I, I would, I'm quite, I'd look, I'm looking forward to the next bit. I would, mm-hmm. like, I would like to carry on with that journey, and it made me think, um, yeah, of reading the book that I, I do, I do dither in and out of reading it because it's a quite a big commitment to yeah. start. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a long ass book. Pages ahead of you, <laughs> and so, I, yeah, so I, I liked it, so I'd give that a four. Okay, as I'm, cool. As I'm, as it, I, I'm, I'm wanting a bit more. <laughs> so a four, four, three. All right, and now we go over to Netflix. And, and Netflix, we have Sharon. Sharon, you saw Wild Mountain Time. And now this is a film. This is, okay, now, now, let me put it this way. When this film was released, there was there's a, there's an Irish museum somewhere in Ireland. And they, they um, pride themselves on being like, you know, really, really Irish and tweet. So it's, it's all about like, you know, leprechauns and gnomes and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, the the clovers and all that kind of stuff and essentially and they, when this film was released they put out a tweet saying oh my god this is a, this is a bit much even for us <laughs> <laughs> and, and that that put me in mind of a film that sort of like leans into almost every single irish irish trope you could find oh. <laughs> yeah. so, so tell me sharon is that what happens what happens to this film it's it's you can to look at this film in two ways if you can look at it as a piece of like drama and and as a piece of filmmaking, it's a hot mess. The the <laughs> uh, the, uh, the accents are all over the place. The story doesn't really make any sense. It takes a long time to get going, and then it's resolved really really quickly. But then I was looking at it. I thought, in some ways, if you look at it as a film, it's just like it's a hideous ordeal. But then you can look at it as like a fairy tale. Because there are elements of it to, that draw on. Because the song "Wild Mountain Time," it's a, it's an Irish original folk song, so it's drawn from that folk fairy world tradition. And the sort of the elements of whimsy are, you know, you couldn't get more Irish if you were dressed in green and dancing under a rainbow with like a singing Dee Dee Diddley. It's a mess, but there is a, there was a certain charm to it for all that, and. But to me, I thought of it towards the end. It especially came more true to me. It, it was it's like a it's like a filmic fairy tale. So some things don't make sense, and they don't really fit into the real world. And the motivations make no sense. But then fairy tales don't. But they have a charm about them. So I would say it's a mess, but it's a charming mess. And I actually almost halfway through, I was thinking, is this actually going anywhere? <laughs> well, they just gonna. It's just sort of dancing around under a, you know, under a shamrock. But it is, it did resolve quite quickly and it sort of left you feeling that it had quite a satisfying ending. So for all that it was a, yeah, a, 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 it was a mess. And um, the accents were all over the place and not the least bit convincing from any of the cast. Even the real <laughs> Irish people I were convinced that they weren't Irish. <laughs> the, real people, the, the real Irish people got infected. Yeah, even they didn't sound quite right. And I was thinking, I'm sure you're from Birmingham or somewhere. But and they're just putting the oh big horror and all this on it. So I thought it was um 
yeah, it was it was a mess, but it was charming at the same time. So I I actually quite liked it in the end. <laughs> it grew on me. <laughs> it's probably because of the folk music in it. I just I'm a bit of a sucker for folk music. Oh, okay. And that, so, that. yeah, I'd give it a three. But it has Jamie Dornan, Emily Blunt, Christopher Walken, John Hamm. Uh, it's got quite a, all of them trying various forms of an Irish accent. Yeah. Except for John Hamm, he was an American, but even that sounded fake after a while. What I'm hearing is that it has, it sounds like you're saying it has a, a similar kind of um, charm to one of those old episodes of Doctor Who where you're like, oh my god, that looks terrible. But I kind of liked it. It was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, so there's a very simple story. It's like the boy girl grew up next to each other, neighbouring farms. Um, she loves him. He doesn't know he loves her, but he secretly does love her, and then they sort of like get together at the end. It's just, it's, you know, there's no story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then people I mean, die. I there's a, bit, there's a bit of death in it, and uh, you know, it's just like, oh, they've died, oh, have they died, oh, they've died, oh, they've died, oh, they've died. They? okay. And it's Wait. just, yeah. Okay, I'm getting a flash. I'm getting a flash to uh, uh, to a trailer. Do we have Crystal Christopher Walken in this trying to do an Irish accent? Oh yeah, he plays <laughs> Jamie Dornan's dad, and oh, he's God, an Irish yes. farmer. Oh god, yes, I remember seeing the trailer and seeing Christopher Walken trying to do an Irish accent, and I'm like, yeah, and you're sort you of going like a come yeah. again. I, what did you say? What are you saying? Because uh, it's not quite clear. But, yeah, I, I'm just kind of like, sometimes yeah. you need to learn to say no. Yeah. Mad bit <laughs> fun. All right, so three stars for Wild Mountain Time. Oh, right. Okay, so is it worth a, worth a watch then, Sharon? If you, it will drive you mad, but if you well, don't mind something that is a bit mad, man. then, Well, that, yeah. I, I probably something like me, I'd probably quite enjoy it then, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's as bad as mad as a bag of spanners, but <laughs> it's... You come away, you can't, you, you can't help but like it really in some way. So no. I'd give it a three. I don't think you could give it any higher than that in all conscience. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of whimsy in the end of the day. Okay, cool. So, okay, so I think Sharon there, you gave us pretty much the entire plot of the film. But I feel like yeah. that, isn't, that isn't even a spoiler. That's essentially, that's like, this is what you signed up for. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> This is what you're going to get. And there's a bit of singing in it. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. So that's Three Stars for Wild Mountain Time. And now we go back to cinemas for our second and last cinema review of the week. This is the French Dispatch. The, this. New, Wes, the new Wes Anderson movie. And like by now, I think most people know what they get with the Wes Anderson movie. You're going to have an ensemble cast. There's going to be quite a few of the actors that he works with that are going to show up. It's like, hello, Tilda's Winter. Hello, Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> you know, the, so... Sean, what is this? What's it all about? Okay, so basically, this is a, a um, it's like a, a, a supplement magazine, like that is sent off to the the Kansas News or whatever. But it takes place in France, so all the stories are, are French stories. It's, it's a it's a newspaper magazine supplement called the French Dispatch, obviously, and it's a story of Bill Murray as like the editor, and he's got these uh, these reporters which which do all the reporting for the for the you know the the magazine so and of course they're all very very famous actors you've got um and dare i say i even like owen wilson in this all right I, I, but he must he mu i must be warming to owen wilson because he was he was i mean he wasn't in it particularly long but he was like a on his bicycle and and he was he goes around and sees all the bad areas and there's like and he gets chased by 
different, you know, like loads of kids chasing. So you can imagine with the Wes Anderson, you know, what some of the chase scenes are. And he's like, oh, yeah, and this is the this is the slum area of, you know. Right, so, so, so you've got that story. But the main story, which runs all the way through, is um, it's like like this, this guy's in prison. He's like a, he's, he's done a murder, but he's, he's he does all this artwork of this. And it's like, you know, and then you've got Aidy Brody who wants to to buy the artwork. But it's all it's, anyway, I won't, I won't tell you a story with the spoilers and things. But so, yeah, basically, so you, you've got this scene running through. It takes place in the prison. Um, so that's one of the stories, uh, a prison artist. Then you've got this other like with students in France, you can imagine French students as like a demonstrator. They're all playing chess, very stylized, very, um, <laughs> well, you know, like, very, very so, so, so yeah, and you've got, you've got all the big, you've got all the big crowds in the background all going, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? So you've got the two different factions, like, oh, you know, we want more of this and we want more of that. And they're watching this all on this chess match and the police have got loud hailers and stuff. And, and it's just, it's, that's, that's, that's really, it's really Wes cool. Anderson, isn't it? It's Wes Anderson stuff, you know, it's Wes Anderson yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and you, I mean, you, you know what you're going to get. It's incredibly stylized. It's very, very visual, I think. And I mean, I do really love the style. There's like a, in one of the stories with like a, a kidnapped child like that, there's like a, a shootout of, um, there's a shootout, I won't say, but it's just like really good. It, it sort of goes black and white. So you've got, you've got bits of black and white. You've got some gray and white, you've got some lovely, lovely color. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a real montage of, of stories, great characters, really, really good characters. And, um, uh, oh, there's like, <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, that's not Francis McDormand because he's a reporter. There's, there's someone that's like this, uh, um, auditorium with this, oh, Tilda Swinton. She's like oh, yeah. this. And, and they've obviously given her, big teeth like that and she's talking very plummy you know oh, she, so she, anyway she, about this artist she, you know and this is what I, she's sort of narrating you know i have a i have a theory i think <laughs> i think i think tilda swinton likes a big tooth I yeah 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 i, I think because <laughs> in, in the film snow piercer she does the same thing but but she comes across convincing you can beat people like that do you, do you remember yeah. you know janet street porter <laughs> yeah. you know janet street porter yes, very yes, yes very similar to, very similar to janet street porter character which is which is great so yeah and i mean this, some of the stars are in it for a short time i mean ed norton he's in it for a, for a short time it, um and it's it's Wow, it's just really, really good. It's really, really good fun. And Sharon, I, I, I mean, oh, yeah. if it does come, I'll come and watch this with you again. Definitely. Oh, I definitely want to see it. I've looked all through the next two weeks worth of listings. I can't find it. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I mean, I was lucky. I was on the mainland the weekend, so I was like, I'm really, really pleased I caught it because otherwise I had to come back and I wouldn't have been able yeah, to, we would have been like... to see it. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, the, thing is, like, the thing is, okay, we have Wes Anderson, and I think... Whereas Anderson is a very kind of, he's, he's sometimes it can be a bit of an acquired taste because a lot of his films I find a bit cold and I find like, yeah. you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't attach them. My favorite of his is the Grand Budapest Hotel. That was oh, that's favorite. class. That's class. Yeah. That, that, that's a bit where <laughs> I felt like, I felt like his style, his style mm. actually met, like his visual style met with the storytelling. And that was just like, it was like, okay, now this is, this is what you've been, all the films you've been making, you've been trying to get to this point. <laughs> Mm. And so, and if the French Dispatch is like Grand Budapest Hotel, great. If it's going to, it is. It's like it's like three Grand Budapest hotels. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 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 If it's if it's going to be like that, great. If it's going to be a bit more like Rushmore. No, uh. no. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, I loved Rushmore. Did you, yeah, Rushmore was okay. I'm not. I'm well, not looking Rushmore, you but should, yeah, you, you know. But that's the thing. I mean, there's people people who love his style and love what he does, and 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 that's great. 
but I and I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that because I mean visually, stylistically, his whole symmetrical shot thing, I think is actually quite good. But I struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I, see why some people might. I can see why some people might. I mean, it's a great title sequence as well. <laughs> well, yeah, we, yeah, you know no, that 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 I totally expect from him because I yeah. expect that he is going give him the style. Give him the style. It's going to look amazing. It's going to look gorgeous. The set design is going to be out of this world. I expect all that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, as it comes to my as it comes to my star rating, this is going to get a four star. This will, this will be a four star oh. movie for me. Okay, so, you yeah. see now, Superfan Nina is going to be very very happy because <laughs> be, because she's kind of like I think this is a film that I think she is most pumped for over oh. and above everything else. All right, cool. <laughs> So now, Sean, Sean Bina, Eastern European co- um, correspondent. Yes. We're gonna go. Yeah. So we're going back to you for we're talking about Estonian war movies. Estonian war movies with Sean. Take us. Take it away. Okay. This is this is late on in the war, and um, it starts off with uh, uh, SS Estonian division, basically. You know, Estonian troops. That so it starts off on the on the eastern front, and you, th- th- there's a bit of a battle with the Russians and then they they retreat and then there's another conflict there's, there's a group of Russians that they sort of ambush but the Russians are Estonians as well mm-hmm. so and anyway they say oh oh Estonians Estonians and um some some people have been been shot and obviously they go over and they they, they, they the Russians let the Germans go and the the guy gets a a letter finds a letter from one of the Germans the Russian and it's it's he goes to, to deliver this Russia to the town that they're at, and it's it's this German soldier's sister, and they sort of fall in love, I suppose, a bit melodramatic anyway. And then, well, I won't tell you the end because it, it sort of it's it will spoil the end. But so basically, that's that's what the movie is about. But what is so so absolutely first class in this movie is you've got the German side of it for like the first half of the film. And then you've got the Russian side of it for the first half of the film. So it's not saying, and really the only, the only negative, there's nothing really negative from it. It's just basically a soldier movie. You know, the, I think the only thing is, as they said, certain Estonians are sent to the gulag. And one of the commanders is like a, a really, really horrible Soviet person that wants to do, do horrible things. So anyway, so you've got this movie, it's two halves. You've got the Germans, you've got the Russians. No one's particularly horrible. No one's particularly nasty. But what's the protagonists that just survive the whole thing, you know, and can dodge like zillions of bullets and and hundreds of explosions and all that? In this, the the, the people actually do get killed. You know, they're like the the officers, the main people that they actually do. So, and it just looked really, really authentic, and it felt really, really authentic. It just felt like a like a war movie should be. And what I really, really loved about it was you see it from both sides. So. You've got the, the Germans, you know, the, but they're both Estonians and you've got the Russians, which are Estonian. So obviously, I guess that's where the force to fight come, because you'd have to have chosen one side or the other. Um, so, 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 so essentially they're saying that what some Estonians were forced to fight for Germany and some Estonians were forced to fight for Russia. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, that, that's what I would sort of say i don't think they were i don't think they were impressed all that but i think because of the situation what they were those, those baltic states at the during the war you had to choose one side or the other 
otherwise you know there was there was that was basically it did you choose the russians or did you choose the germans so um that was that was basically that was so that was a bit of a dilemma for them as well but what i liked about it is there was a shootout between the two and they just both happened to be a they happened to be estonians in fact some were even from the same town um which are hence when they take the letter to the to the uh, to the sister so uh, which you think is the right place anyway it's just yeah it's just a re really really good in fact um i'd say it's probably one of the best war movies i've seen and i've seen a lot of war i've seen a lot i've seen a lot of war films i've seen a lot of war films um i love the uniforms i love the equipment it all seemed really really proper legit um as i say it showed that, i mean you had the 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 peasants were shown as well peasants i don't know if peasants but like the the farmers were like they just before the fight the germans are there and they turn up and they say oh have some food and something and all that and then after there's like a bit of a battle and the, the same villagers come up and they say oh what happened to those other what happened to those other people you know and they're so they're sort of they were obviously oblivious to the who was who but, yeah um, yeah but no it's top a great terrific terrific really 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 thoroughly thoroughly yeah. enjoyed this no no sean sean no you saying that this is one of the best war movies you've ever seen yes that is that i mean this this is a bit crazy indeed isn't it this is this has been an amazing year we've had sean <laughs> watch a horror movie that he says made him jump once that's yeah. massive <laughs> that's huge and we've had sean say that look at me this is a war movie and it's one of the best war movies i've ever seen yes. high praise indeed it really that's is wow. yeah yeah. That's that, got a wow factor then. That has got a wow factor. And I, I, I mean, I just loved it because there was nothing really silly in it. Nothing really, really silly in it. The the, the main characters that you think, oh, I'm going to see. I like that when that happens. I mean, a recent film called The Hunt, I think the last one I saw before lockdown. Oh, The was, Hunt, yeah. Or the one straight afterwards. But I loved that because you thought... Gone. It was great. So, but so, and and this is like this. So, I am gonna. Do I stick my neck out? I'm oh. so tempted to give oh. this a, a biggie. I'm the only. Oh, drum roll. I'm trying to drum roll. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. It is outstanding. It is outstanding for me. It was outstanding. There um, you go then. So yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to really, really give this one a five. I think because I, oh, I really, really enjoy it. So there it is. I think that's our first. Probably this first five of the year oh, isn't it since I, the I pandemic think, I, think, I mean a real yeah, yeah. a real super surprise and if i hadn't watched that one which i watched i probably wouldn't have given this one a look but really really totally totally great really so, good movie so okay now sure the problem is that now estonian cinema has a very very high bar <laughs> yeah your mind. so the next film that you watch from estonian cinema is going to be on to a hiding <laughs> yeah yeah all right cool that's it Good stuff, good stuff. So, oh, a five for 1944, Forced to Fight. Our yeah. first ever Estonian movie review. So, all that is left to say now is who... Uh, I'm going to give you guys a break now from hearing the pounding music behind me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just say, who do you think won this week? Netflix or cinema? I think it's close. I think it could even be a draw. I think it maybe. might be a draw because I think that last one is yeah. balanced, it Balan up. Balance the Balance the books. Because we had a uh, four, four, three, three, four, five, three, four, five. 
Yeah, you see, now I reckon, uh, I think, I think this, for, bearing in mind we only have four films, I think that this is one of the hardest ones to call. If I, if I didn't have this in numbers in front of me, I'll find it actually really, really difficult to call. But yeah. the winner this week, yeah. the winner this week, by virtue of Sean <laughs> loving an Estonian war movie and saying it is the best war movie he thinks he's ever seen, is Netflix and Friends. Is Netflix Ooh. and Friends? Hey. Right. Yeah, that's been a while since that's happened. Yeah, and, and yes. to, be, uh, to be honest with you, uh, before that happened, before that happened, it was close. So it, it would have been a draw. It would have been a draw, but the three that Sean gave Dune pulled cinema down a bit. And at the same time, Sean, essentially, you decided this whole thing. Oh, and, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. And, and the five, the five that Sean gave 1994. Hey, I don't care. It seems that it was a good week all round. Yeah, it does. It, it does. Yeah, yeah, that's that's... Things are looking up. Things are looking up. We've had a bit of a bit of a bad run, so hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Last last week was not. I'm looking at the numbers from last week, and I'm thinking, yeah, um, there was one. <laughs> there was one four last weekend, and we had eight films. We had we had eight. Just about there was one four, and here we've had four. We've had like you know, we had um, four films to talk about, and we had three fours at least. So um, yes. So no, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, right. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for putting up with all the banging music behind me, being coming to you from a bar in Birmingham. I'm gonna have to go back and see how this recorded and see if it's actually usable, or whether I have to, <laughs> or have to just go through and re-record everything I've said. But, but, but until next week, when we will see. Something. Last night in Soho. Last night in Soho. Last night in Soho, yes. and uh, hopefully the French dispatch somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. All right. Thank you you very much for joining us. Mm